From the inception of this show five years ago, we've warned about domestic economic warfare. American corporations used as pawns for global elitist goals like ESG. The best and the brightest minds have explained the threat and we've been providing solutions. We've talked about BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, and they've since become some, somewhat household names. We've talked about the World Economic Forum, you know, the group that wants you to eat bugs and own nothing and be happy about it. We've talked about the push for all electric vehicles and the banning of gas-powered stoves. Literally, this is according to plan. I wrote a whole book on this. It is about controlling you economically, using law and, and regulations and things like that. These plans accelerated with COVID and the power that was assumed via draconian lockdowns, mask mandates, and vaccine passports. Unless you comply, you lose your job, you lose your freedom. This is economic warfare, pure and simple. They've been promoting ESG, environment, social, governance. All sounds good, but it's really gender quotas, equity, hypocritical energy policies. You know, from the people that fly private jets around the world, private jets for them, rations for you. But we're not alone. Millions are waking up and standing strong, and some are fighting back legally, with civility, using logic and reason and court cases and appeals to consumers. And we together have had some real victories, like Bud Light or Disney or Target. All of those big corporations that adopted woke policies suffered major defeats in 2023. And there are real heroes in this movement, in this battle, thought leaders. The National Center and the Free Enterprise Project are among them. And our guest, Scott Shepard, he's a tremendous hero. He's a fellow at the National Center as well as the director of the National Center's Free Enterprise Project, which is the original and premier opponent of woke takeover of American corporate life. Scott has taught at law schools, including Wake Forest School of Law in North Carolina and William S. University College of Law in Oregon. He's the author of the legal textbook, Wills, Trusts, and Estates in Context. He previously served as a policy director with the Yankee Institute in Connecticut and the manager of the Water Law Project at Pacific Legal Foundation. He also has experience in government and private practice. He earned his Juris Doctor from the University of Virginia, a master's degree from Vanderbilt University, and a Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Richmond. Welcome, Scott, back to the Economic War Room. Thank you so much, Kevin. Always great to be with you. And listen, I don't know if I qualify as hero, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll play that on TV this morning. How's that? That's great. Well, tell us about the National Center and the work that you're doing at the Free Enterprise Project. Yeah. Well, uh, the National Center has been around since the early 80s, one of those organizations that sprang up in the wake of Mr. Reagan's victory, uh, the good old days. And, uh, and since 2007, we were... I think uh, some of the first, our organization was some of the first to recognize that you know, conservatives, Republicans just generally assumed for a very long time, and we're right for a very long time, that most business people were broadly, uh, if not conservative, then at least sensible. They'd keep their corporations out of politics. They were reliable. Uh, uh, the, the Free Enterprise Project was set up because we were uh, one of the first organizations to realize that that, even by 2007, that really wasn't true anymore. That corporations had started to move left, that they'd started to move left largely because left-wing uh, uh, troublemakers, had shareholder activists had pushed them to the left. 
And so corporate executives who weren't paying much attention, um, in order to get these cats to go away, just sort of uh, agreed to uh, small things that turned into big things that turned into fully dedicated left-wing uh, uh, departments in their, in their corporations, an equity department, diversity department. That's just about introducing equity-based discrimination. A sustainability department is just about shifting that corporation from affordable, reliable uh, uh, energy to unaffordable, unreliable energy that's still not clean or good for the environment, um, uh, uh, but but uh, uh, satisfies the goals of control that you were talking about earlier. So we've been pushing back from the right, and we've been uh, been joined by wonderful allies like like the heroes uh, in your uh, in your camp, and uh, and and we're finally together on the right, mounting the fight against uh, woke corporatism. Yeah, and that woke corporatism, like you mentioned, 2007, it started with a little leaven. And it is, you know, you go back to the whole Jesse Jackson notion where he would <laughs> yes. walk into a company and he'd blackmail them. Well, you need to adopt this policy or hire this person. But personnel is policy over time. But they yep. infected more than just the leaven in the corporate structure. They got into the boardrooms. And how did they get there? Well, I mean, it, it was the same general policy, right? So the left would push for, you know, in order to be a good corporation, in order to be uh, to be kind to the world and to people, you really need somebody on your board who's an expert in, say, climate or the environment. But of course, because it was the left that was pushing it, it wouldn't be somebody who who had objective knowledge uh, and and concern about the environment. It was somebody who'd bought the whole left-wing nonsense. You know, since I was a kid in the middle 80s, we've only been four or eight years from the death of the, the heat death of the, the earth because of uh, uh, our, our carbon use. And somehow it's always pushed back four and eight and 10 and 12 more years. And yet the true believers on the left uh, absolutely still believe it. They've, they've been wrong every single time, but gosh, golly, this time's gonna be right. And so you got experts, experts on boards of directors uh, who were pushing the left view on climate. Then they did the same thing with regard to uh, racial shakedowns, as you were uh, mentioning with Jesse Jackson. And so you got to the point that there were enough uh, lefties on the boards of directors that they would only replace outgoing directors with other lefties. And then you've got catastrophic uh, uh, corporate management, like uh, like the, the ongoing and at this point funny disaster at Disney. Yeah, well, a perfect example of this is Al Gore loses the election to George W. Bush, but then he goes on all these corporate boards, including Apple, yeah. where he's had incredible influence. You, you wonder if maybe he's had more influence at Apple than he would have as president of the United States, uh, because literally these corporations are setting the policies of America and they're doing it with our consumer dollars and our investment dollars. Now, we're going to need to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about the role that investment has played. You've got a great new article that came out, uh, Partisan Bias Shot Through Operations at Vanguard State Street in Real Clear Politics. I want to talk about because the big invest investors of this world, the Vanguard State Street, BlackRock, they've taken over the boards of major corporations. I want to understand exactly how they did this, and then I want to talk about the strategies that we can adopt that we can fight back and take back these corporations to neutral to where they're serving customers and not these woke leftist progressive interests. Let's take a break and then we'll be back.
We're talking with Scott Shepard. He's got an article out at Real Clear Politics. It's, it's incisive. It's understandable. It makes good sense of nonsense that's going on in American corporations today. Uh, Scott, tell us about your article referencing Vanguard and State Street. Yeah, well, as your, uh, as your viewers may know, um, most American investments are handled by three investment houses, BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. I'm, I'm invested in one of those three. You may be, you may be as well. Um, and they, they uh, between them, control $20 trillion of American wow. assets. Now, before the, the rise of mutual funds and then ETFs, uh, most shareholders didn't really vote the, their proxy votes. They didn't uh, take advantage of the power of their ownership because, of course, when you own a share in a company, you are a fractional owner of that company. And the executives and directors work for you. They don't work for themselves. They don't work. You're the owner of that, the fractional owner of that company. Well, about a decade ago, it dawned on the uh, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, and somewhat earlier, Ron O'Hanley, the CEO of State Street, and, uh, and the folks at the top of, of Vanguard, that they could have immense personal power if they started using other people's assets, your and my assets, the assets that we've given over to them for their expertise and investment, not for their political nows, uh, given over to them that they could start using the power of our investment to force corporations to do their personal policy preferences. And so that's been, after the 30 or 40 years of small-time small uh, shareholder activism on the left, that's been the main driver of the last decade. You've got Larry Fink, who goes out and brags about forcing behaviors at corporations. Which for behaviors does he force? He forces equity-based discrimination, which means unconstitutional discrimination against the non-diverse. So, so illegal discrimination against white people, men, straight people, he, uh, and, and the religious. He, um, uh, he also pushes uh, uh, net zero by 2035 or 2050, which every day is proving to be more and more of nonsense. It can't be done. It can't be done effectively. And I mean, it's the, the COP, the, the biannual or however often it is, UN chance to, to get together and spend U.S. Uh, tax dollars money to spin fantasies about decarbonization. So he's got his mansion. He's got his jet. He's got his limousine. While he and his buddies, who all have the same thing, meet at COPs or meet uh, um, annually at Davos to figure out how they can run the world and not cut their carbon emissions at all while constraining our lives ever further into narrow boxes and narrow opportunities. You know, I wouldn't have a problem if Larry Fink came out and said, all right, I'm starting an environment fund that's going to invest in these things, uh, and, and I want you to join me because this is the objective that we have. But they didn't do that. In fact, they've taken a lot of index dollars People that say, "I just buy me the S&P 500, or just just buy me this one ind industry in an ETF," where they're expecting the shares to be voted in the interests of the corporation producing the maximum profit, as opposed to achieving a social objective. So they're not even holding themselves out necessarily when they go into the 401ks and they're selling themselves to the big pension plans as being, you know, well, we're going to be your pro-environment fund because if they had an actual debate on this, they'd lose. They'd lose because people, for the most part, don't buy into that stuff. 
but they're taking. Well, Kevin, it's even worse than that. Take BlackRock as an example, but it's true of all three. They're shutting down their explicitly labeled ESG funds because those ESG funds are losing a ton of money, and and it's it's becoming increasingly clear to investors. We don't want to invest in the supposedly clean energy that's not clean because it's not reliable and it's not affordable. So they're shutting down their ESG funds. But even as they do that, Larry Fink went out this summer and said, look, I don't want to call it ESG anymore because people are on to what ESG is. I want to call it conscientious capitalism. But we're still going to do by forcing behaviors on corporations. We're still going to do exactly what we've done before. We're just going to continue. We're, we're going to do it with all of the assets. And we're going to take down our ESG uh, funds because they're losing money. But we're going to treat everybody's assets like their ESG funds. Now, that strikes me as actionable uh, material misinformation, uh, as, as basic falsehood, both under uh, state and federal law. And, and that strikes me as something, a tool that we on the right can use eventually to blow this system up. Well, it's the same sort of thing that the founders warned against when your tax dollars could be taken from you by force and then used to fund things that were against what you believed in. Right now, it's not by force, but it is by economic necessity in many cases that our investment dollars are being taken away. Because you, well, I've got to invest in, in something. I've got, to, I've got all this money. I've got to plan for retirement. So where do I go? They hide the fact that it is a progressive agenda and that you're feeding a monster. And they pretend as if you're just being neutral. You're just buying the S&P 500. You're just planning for a good retirement and a good future for your kids. All the while, they've used tax dollars from the Federal Reserve and from other bailout programs to build these monster of uh, you know, investment management shops. I mean, when I worked for John Templeton uh, back in the 90s, we were very explicit about what we did you know, socially. We did yeah. no tobacco, no alcohol, and no gambling. And that's about it. We look for, for the best return for our investors regardless of that. We always voted uh, our shares based on what would provide the best return. That's not the case with these big investment houses. No, no. They, they do the, the pure politics of their executives and, and directors, pretend that it's, uh, it's, it's within their fiduciary duty because somehow the hard left option is always the one that makes money, even though they're shutting down ESG funds because it's clear that, that they don't. And then they lie all the way through the process by they're pretending now, BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard are pretending to offer voters choice so they can, they can make their own decisions about how to vote on proxy uh, shareholder proposals and other things. But the thing is, it's a Soviet election because they've got options where you can vote totally with the left, uh, the left wing activists, only some with the left wing activists, or all the way up to voting 100 percent with management. But up till now, they don't have a single option that allows you to vote for any right of center shareholder proposals like ours at all or to oppose the left wing ones, much less something that would would support all of the, the center right stuff and oppose all the center left stuff. So it's Soviet election nonsense. And, you know, I wouldn't compare Larry Fink or Ron O'Hanley to Stalin, but Brezhnev, Brezhnev too. <laughs> well, and, and, and to your point, if you vote with management, which is considered the more conservative option, right, you're voting with the management that they have put in place with those same objectives. We're going to need that's to take exactly a, right. Uh, they, they stack the deck so that the management is left, but then they pretend that's the right wing op option, just like they have a, a liberation theology, Catholic 
uh, option, but they pretend that's conservative as well. Just lies and lies. Another break. We'll come back with answers. We're speaking with Scott Shepard of the Free Enterprise Project, and we're talking about how America's corporations have gone far to the left, how it's, they've been captured literally using our money to turn America against traditional American values. You know, and we're not asking for them to go right of center so far. I mean, sure, I love Hobby Lobby and, and, and I love Chick-fil-A and some of the stances that some of these corporations have taken, although not necessarily all that pure, maybe Hobby Lobby more than Chick-fil-A. But nevertheless, I don't want conservative Christian Coke. I want a Coke and a smile. And I want my company that I invest in to serve all of its customers. I want it to make as much money as possible that's legal, that, that's in line with American future and so forth. But, but I don't want a corporation cramming down values on all their customers and their shareholders. But this is what's happening. We're seeing it happen in Europe. We're seeing it happen in the United States. Is it lost? Are we done? Is American uh, corporations or the global corporations, are they all taken over? Do we have no recourse? Well, thank you for making the point, Kevin, that, that we absolutely, you and we and, and, and others of our allies, don't want to make uh, uh, corporations conservative uh, bastions anymore because that would both violate the law and violate the entire purpose of capitalism. The purpose of capitalism is and, and the mechanisms of capitalism, the purpose of corporations, is to allow everybody to be able to be fractional owners of giant concerns and make the same kind of money that the big guys do. But in order for that to work, there has to be absolute political neutrality in corporations. The only things they can get involved in for politics are things that will enhance the value for the, the baseline shareholder, which is to say, they can get involved in politics to keep their taxes low. They can get involved in politics to keep onerous regulation away from them. They can't get into politics either to support or oppose abortion. It's just nothing to do with a corporation. And so, so that's the first point. And, and uh, to, the, the, to the second point, you know, as a global matter, China's going to do what China does, and it's never going to be to our long-term benefit. And it, we've, we've made some value in the trading arrangement, but, but then we find out that MSCI's indexes and, and BlackRock's uh, funds, for instance, support companies that literally make the technology for the Chinese military that, that, that uh, makes the nukes that are aimed at our houses. The Europeans and the Canadians have turned ESG into, at a legal level, uh, the centerpiece of their, of their corporate law. So we in the United States, as usual, have to be the bastion of liberty. We have to be the people who say, no, this obviously doesn't work. We're not going to go along with it. And by our not going along with it and, and being much more successful, we're going to for force you all to recognize reality. But if we don't do that the way the Biden administration wants us not to do that, then uh, the, the, the economic engine of the globe will have been, uh, if not broken entirely, certainly, uh, certainly run too hot. Or run too cold. Well, however, I finished that mm -hmm. analogy. <laughs> what it means is there will be increased poverty. What it means is that there will be people who have food shortages and energy shortages and all kinds, all of the progress that we've seen over the last hundred years or so will be reversed and we'll go back to where there are uh, elitists controlling everything and the rest of us kind of subsiding at best. Well, that's exactly what. I mean, all of these clowns who 
uh, fly their private jets to Davos in the middle of the winter at the top of Switzerland uh, to eat Wagyu beef and, and, and be in these warm, uh, warm uh, five-star hotels, what these people ex well fairly explicitly want is for them to be able to be the world class of global nobility who can live uh, uh, at those standards. And for the rest of us to, they've said it flat out, own nothing and like it. And they don't mean it, mean that in the sense of, no, you genuinely like it. They, you're going to like it, buddy. And that's, uh, that's the, the future they have in mind for us. So how do we work together better to push back? I mean, we've started the NSIC Institute where we train financial advisors using the continuing education requirement process to where advisors can get continuing education and it won't be woke nonsense. It'll be how to preserve liberty, security, and values, which is what most investors want. They don't want this ESG nonsense. When we've done the polls, they say, I want things that promote my family, support my country, support my liberty, provide for my future. I mean, these are the things. They want good returns uh, that are in line with their values. So how do we work together? Because you at National Center and what you're doing there, and we've got some good investment management alternatives. You know, Timothy Plan, which is a, a sponsor of this program, and then Strive and others that, that are pioneering in giving people more what they want in investments. How do we work better together? Well, you know, you, you, you can uh, uh, continue with, with a Bud Light or a Disney or a Target uh, opportunity. You can, you can t continue to use your money that way, and make sure to know the court, let the, 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 the local franchisees or whoever you can be in touch with exactly why you're doing that, because that matters. But with regard to the investment opportunities that you just mentioned, as it happens, uh, the National Center of the Free Enterprise Project is offering, uh, has put together a new app. It's called Proxy Navigator that we've teamed up with an organization called Iconic so that if you download this app and you, you go through the a fairly simple process, you can make sure that all of the companies that you own, that that uh, are your proxy votes will be voted in accord with uh, the National Center's recommendations. If you want to see past recommendations, we've written a uh, a publication about that each year. Um, but but you can vote according to your uh, right of center interest now using the the proxy navigator app. Make sure to do that. Make sure to uh, uh, be in touch with corporations. Make sure if you if you use an investment advisor, make sure that investment advisor knows about about this extra opportunity um, uh, to to uh, vote your values at corporations. Well, you're doing tremendous work, Scott. I appreciate so much the National Center, the Free Enterprise Project. It's got a long and storied history. You were among the very first to recognize the problem, but you don't just sit there and point out the problem. You come up with solutions, and this proxy. Uh, app is phenomenal, and it's something we'll share with all our NSIC-trained advisors. So thank you for all the great work you're doing. Much obliged, Kevin. You, you know, this, this is the challenge, is that people don't want the woke nonsense, but they don't know what to do about it. And proxies aren't easy. I mean, if you get these things in the mail, they're very complex sometimes, and you've got to figure it out. That's why you need help, like from this new proxy app or you need a good financial advisor, like our NSIC-trained advisors. Now, we're going to summarize everything that we've talked about here and how you can access National Center, download their app, how you can learn more about the NSIC Institute, and find a good financial advisor that aligns with your values. We'll summarize all that in our free economic battle plan that you can get at economicwarroom.com. Every episode we produce comes with a 15 to 30 page PDF document that explains what we've covered and explains what you can and should do about it.
Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.